You're listening to the Missouri Realtors Podcast with host and Missouri Realtors President, John Mayfield. Join us as we deliver an in-depth analysis of industry news while speaking with industry experts on their successes and failures. Along the way, we'll also share strategies and practices to help you become a more successful realtor. Thank you so much for joining the Missouri Realtors podcast. I'm John Mayfield, your 2022 Missouri Realtors president. And I'm so excited today to uh, talk to Chad Wilson. Chad is with the Keller Williams Realty West Group. And uh, I have to tell you how I came across Chad. I have never, I've never met Chad, but I was discussing with um, David Price at at Maris, the uh, Mid-America Regional Information System, the MLS in St. Louis. And I said, you know, I was wanting to find an agent who really is out there just knocking it out of the park. And there are so many of you in Missouri who are doing that. But when I pulled up the report, I saw Chad Wilson up up at the top and uh, the numbers he was doing. And David said, Chad is a great guy. You really need to talk to him. And so I called Chad and he graciously said I would be more than happy to do the podcast. So Chad, thank you for uh, agreeing to be with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, great. Well, why don't you just tell us a little bit, you know, how did you get in real estate? What made you get in real estate? How you got started? We'll just kind of get our audience caught up on that whole side. Sure. Um, well, I got into real estate kind of by accident. Um, so I was an air traffic controller and I did that for 30 years. And back in 2001, uh, American Airlines buys out TWA Airlines. And then in 2003, uh, they kind of pulled the plug in St. Louis. And we used to be a very busy hub airport and after american pulled out we just sat around just kind of twiddling our thumbs so i worked in what's called a tracon it's the radar room and you know on a busy time we would split it split out depending on the runway configuration and the weather uh, we would potentially have 11 controllers working at one time and and we would do that 10 11 12 times a day depending on how the pushes came in and then once uh, american pulled out we maybe split it out to four controllers three times a day. So we just had a bunch of people sitting around twiddling our thumbs, waiting for the traffic to show up and it never did. So a group of us started buying some rental properties. Um, and that was my first foray into real estate. And we were buying, um, short sales back in the time, back in the day. And the guy that I was typically, uh, buying most of our short sales from asked me one time if I would be interested in getting my license and and learning the short sale process and I like jumped on that opportunity I thought man this guy's one of the best out there if I can learn from him I'd love to do it so I did it I got my license did one short sale hated it was no good at it it didn't even close and I swore I'd never do another one so I kind of just kept my license for me for a while uh, just doing stuff for rentals and rehabs and then one day the pastor of my church asked me if I would help him buy a house. And I told him, I said, Mark, I don't really do that for people. I just really do my license and, and do that kind of stuff for me. And he said, well, you're a man of integrity and I like you. So we'll just learn this together. So that was my first real deal for somebody other than my stuff was um, the pastor of my church. And, and then it turned out that like 
the first four of five deals I did were pastors. So I should have figured it out back then. Somebody was trying to tell me something, but it took me a while to figure it out. Yeah, that's interesting. I love that story. That's really cool. And there was a day, you know, I was telling someone about that the other day. I said at one time, Amer- you know, St. Louis was a pretty huge hub for air flights. Go, You could almost go anywhere you wanted to nonstop. So very interesting. And yes, short sales can be a challenge. Well, what, uh, I mean, gosh, you've gone from, you know, a, a short, which we all have to start somewhere. I remember one time I was in a I was in a class where it was for story writing, and which is my theme this year on write on it's your story. But I remember the instructor saying, "Everyone started where you're sitting today," and so I love that story because we all have to start somewhere. But so so what kind of clicked when you thought, "Hey, I think I can really start doing this," or was it through referrals or kind of what really had your business take off? Yeah, I would say I got kind of lucky. Uh, there was no skill involved in what I did in the beginning. The, the deals just started showing up. And it got to a point, I think maybe after my second year, where um, I decided I needed some help. So I asked another um, girl who worked at or who went to church with me and was a good friend of mine. I asked her if she would be interested in doing this. And she had been a stay-at-home mom for a while, but looking to get back into the workforce and extremely talented. Uh, she used to be an accountant with John Deere and with Arthur Anderson and just had just a great mind about her. And, and I thought, you know, I would love to have her on my team to help get this thing going. So I talked to her about it one day and she decided to come on board. So that was our first hire um, in the beginning, you know, that the, I didn't have a lead generation machine. We didn't really know what we were doing. We just kind of figured it out on the fly as it was going, but the deals just kept coming. And finally we figured out we better systematize this somehow so that we can make this a little more consistent. And cause you know, in the beginning, and I think probably most agents start out this way, you have these ebbs and flows and you can have really busy months and then you can have months where, you have nothing. And we certainly had that too. And I think one of the benefits for me was since I had another full-time job, if I didn't have any work come in for the month, then I could still eat and I was still provided for. So I didn't have the stress of, I have to buy a house or sell a house. I have to be on a deal this month. So I think that, that helped me along the way. Very interesting. And, and so adding the team member, I guess, did, did she have specific tasks that you said, Hey, here's what I'd like for you to do. Or did that come later when you started developing your systems? No, I think my first task. So I was, um, right out of high school, I joined the air national guard and that's, that's all I ever did. So I was an air traffic controller in the, in the military. And then I transitioned into the FAA and that's that was all my formal training ever had been. So it was military and air traffic control. So I really had no business acumen or really any any skill sets that I was aware of that translated into running a business. Um, and when I when I talked to Jen, I said, "Your first duty is to make us professional." <laughs> and you know, we needed websites and right. business cards and all that stuff. And I didn't know how to do that and, and didn't really have the time because I was working my full-time job plus on, you know, on 
I'd get home and then I'd go in my real estate job. So Jen just started from scratch and, and figured out about websites and figured out about advertising. And she was a, a, a the driving force in getting us from just this fledgling startup group to where we are today. Excellent. So what would you tell a new agent? I mean, uh, one of my goals for really with the podcast this year is to bring podcasts where our agents can discover new ways to grow their real estate business and, and maybe have some ideas that trigger something else that will enhance their business. What would you tell our listeners what what would you encourage, or if you were coaching them as a new agent or someone who wanted to jumpstart their career, what would be some advice that you would give them that has worked for you? I would say it kind of depends on the phase they're in. So if they're brand new and have never done a deal, but they have their license and you know they're excited because they just passed, and then it's like, okay, now what? The deals don't just show up. You got to go get them. So if you don't have if you don't know what to do in the beginning and you haven't got a coach or anything, I would, I think joining a team is a really good idea because you find a group that's already rolling and has some systems and models and lead generation efforts already in play. And that way they can, they can learn um, and start to figure out if they want to stay on a team or if they want to start their own team or if they want to just be a single agent. But I think, the key is you got to get going and, and there's a statistic out there and I don't know the exact numbers, but this is what I, this is the number I repeat is that uh, 80% of all first year agents never make it to the second year. Um, and I know it's a really high number like that, but it's, they can't get any traction. And, you know, you did all that work to get licensed and then, then it just falls by the wayside. And I know a number of people that have been in that category. So brand new agents, I think you consider a team. If it's somebody that has got started and they have some deals working and they got things going, but they're just not sure what to do next and how to do it. I think one of the downfalls that, that um, people fall into is they don't treat their business like a business and it truly is a business. So you've got to look at your P and L's. You've got to make smart decisions based on, on, uh, where you're going to spend, don't overspend. That's a trap we all fall into. I've certainly fallen into that myself. I think I've fallen for every phone call in the beginning about the guy that was going to provide me all these leads. And I probably signed up for four or five or six. Right. And I'll probably tell you 10 in the beginning. And, you know, there's, there is no magic bullet. You've got to get out there and you've got to, you just got to grind it out in the beginning and you got to work and you got to develop your systems and your processes and learn from people. There's a good book. Um, I didn't read it until I did about 50 million in volume, but I, I, the uh, millionaire real estate agent by Gary Keller is a really good book for somebody that's going to start a business because it's not just um, how to sell real estate. It is, this is the amount of money or percentage wise you should spend for salary. This is what you should spend for lead generation. This is what you should spend. And it's not that you have to follow it to a T, but it's a really good model to work off of. And, you know, I think you have to really be cognizant of how much you're spending. And that is, if you're not running budgets, looking at P and L's and, and running it like a business, I think that can get lost. And if you're not making any money doing it, then you won't continue. So it's gotta be profitable for it to be a, a long-term business. I'm so glad you mentioned that 
Chad, because that, first of all, one of the things that I talk about when I teach real estate agents and coach agents as well, and, and when I say coach, I'm, I'm saying from the platform because I don't have an active coaching business. I just uh, teach and give, and give presentations, and I call that coaching because I think it is, but I, I remind agents that you have to treat it like a business. And I, I tell this story about a little Philly cheesesteak sandwich shop that was here in our area. And my wife and I went out to, to support them. They were brand new in business. And I remember, Chad, when we were in there and it was at lunchtime and there was nobody in there. And they, he had all of this brand new equipment and chairs and they had the little restaurant fixed so cute. And my wife and I loved the sandwich, but our heart was just kind of broken for them because, you know, they should have been busy here at lunchtime. And my wife said, I wonder if, they're, if they'll make it. And I said to her, I wonder if they ever did a break even. I mean, I wonder if he ever thought about how many sandwiches do I have to sell every day to break even. And I think so many real estate agents really forget that this is your business and you need to know what your expenses are and how much income you need to generate. And Gary Keller's book is, is a great book, you know, for anyone because it really does open your mind up to that. I actually have the book and I, and I downloaded the audible, which I love because there are all these little stories inside the book and they're read by different people. So it kind of is a, is an interesting way to uh, study that book as well. So Thank you for sharing that. But it, you are correct. Put the time in. You know, it's it's like Newton's law of motion. If whatever you put into something, you're going to get an equal or greater force in return. So thank you. Great, great points there. I wanted to just ask you also, what's your typical day look like? I mean, do you, you know, are you still doing a lot of prospecting or is most of your business referral now, or could you kind of walk us through a typical day or do you, you know, a team meeting? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about in our team meetings quite regularly is there's a statistic out there that says, uh, 92% of all buyers and sellers surveyed have said that they would use their real estate agent again, that the experience was positive enough that they would use that same person and 11% actually do. And why is that? And that's because by the time somebody is ready to move again, they've had three or four or five years of new relationships. Um, they've forgotten who you are and it's easy for them just to find another real estate agent to pick up the phone or, you know, to answer their phone call and list their house or help them buy a house. So, you know, after a while, they forget about who you are. So one of the things we really focus on is staying engaged with our database, with the people that we have already had relationships with, with the people that are known to us. Um, so we, our CRM forces us every day to call people uh, that we have relationships with and talk to them and offer them services. So we all have drip campaigns that we try to do and uh, to stay engaged and stay relevant with our database. One of the things that we do is client appreciation events. We've added those over the last couple of years um, just so that we can stay relevant in our, in our customers' eyes. And 
For example, one of the things that we do is something that we call portraits in the park. And what it is, is we hire four professional photographers and we tell our, we call our spheres, uh, call our database and tell them, hey, we'd like to have you come to this park. There's multiple places to go get a, a family picture. And then we have the photographers go out, take pictures of the families and then um, give them free pictures when they're done. And we've had such good feedback from that, from the, the our clients that say that they've just never had a family picture or they haven't done a family picture in a while. And they're so appreciative of the fact that we do that. And it just helps us stay relevant and helps us stay top of mind so that if they ever do get a referral, uh, they think about us because we want them when they think real estate, we want them to think about our team and, and, I love that. So we really, yeah, we spend a, a fair amount of the time during a day is trying to work through our our people and our database to make sure that we stay relevant. What a cool idea. And to do it outside at a park as well. I just think that's an, a great idea. So, and you brought up something there. And, and I know, you know, we talked about, and I kind of agree with you, I have an online real estate school. And, and one of my things that is so discouraging for me is when someone pours so much into getting their real estate license and they really want to do well and succeed in real estate and then they don't make it. But you mentioned about calling and I think that so many agents just get intimidated by the phone. They don't want to call. What kind of, uh, what would you suggest if, if you're telling someone, hey, you need to call your sphere of influence, what, how do you start the conversation? Or, I mean, do you have any kind of a, of a script that you could give agents that would make that phone call a little easier? Yeah, so I think the reason people are probably intimidated by calling is because they feel like they're begging for referrals. And that's really not what we're trying to do. So we kind of turn that around and instead of, instead of asking for something, asking for referrals, we give them value. So we, our phone calls basically start with, Hey, we have our next client appreciation event. Uh, it's coming up in, in January and this is what it's going to be. And we tell them about it and we, and we, you know, get them to register or talk to them a little bit. And it really is just having a conversation with them, but we're giving them something. So we're not, we're not asking, we're not begging. Right. We are just staying relevant, giving them some, um, something of value that, and, and we have, you know, our, our budget meetings every year are work through and our marketing department kind of works through what events do we want to do this year? Some are recurring events and some are brand new. And, and, um, we spend a lot of time and energy trying to get the right event that we can call, but the, the, the event is really centered around, having our agents being able to call their sphere and invite them to our events. Right. That's what it's for. Right. And I think that's so true. Just have a conversation. I think back to a little lady I had called and, and I have to be honest with you. I was like, Oh man, I hate to make this call. And I just called and I said, Carol, how are you doing? And she said, Oh, John, I needed to talk to somebody so bad. And, and little did I know she had just had to put her husband in a nursing home and she was having a tough day. And, you know, that phone call just brightened her day. And and lo and behold, within the next couple of months, she called and said, I, I can't stay in this condo. I need to uh, to leave. And 
And, uh, you know, and I didn't, I wanted to make that call, as you said, just to have the conversation, just to touch base and see how they're doing. But I think making the phone call is so important. Well, I, I know our time, your time is limited and I appreciate you so much, Chad, for sharing these insights. I've learned so much today and, and, uh, but talk to us a little bit about goals, gratitude, giving back. Are there any of those areas that, that are important to you or you want to share? Well, yeah, so certainly, um, you know, I, we've been successful enough that this has allowed me to do some, some stuff. So I am a man of faith. Um, I believe I got into this, this business because of, um, because of my faith. And I think I was kind of led there. So we have, we are at the point now where, when, um, if a pastor wants to sell his house that we basically do that at cost. So it's our way of basically giving back. And, um, it's something that, that I have been able to do. We have some other times where we do some pro bono work for certain situations. And, you know, it's nice to be able to give back to the community when somebody's in a tough spot. Um, and it, that's been nice for me to be able to do that. It's not just always about the almighty dollar. It's, it's about giving back and being part of your community and uh, just being a good person. We have also partnered up with a charity that we really like called dogs for our brave. So, um, you know, I, I talked a little bit earlier about my time in the military. So I did, I did 27 years in the military as well in the air national guard deployed multiple times, I've uh, been to Iraq a couple times, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and um, some other places. We never got to fun places. We always got to go to uh, places that weren't quite as fun. But because of that, though, it's it's cemented my uh, my love of country. And Dogs for Our Brave, what they do is they, they look for rescue animals. So a lot of these dogs um, come from rescue situations. One of them they found in a dumpster. Uh, but they have to pass a certain psychological test, uh, an age test. And if they are good candidates, then they bring them into the program and they train them how to work with disabled vets. So a lot of the vets that they work with are amputees or double amputees. And these these dogs, once they're trained correctly, can they just change these vets' lives. And you know, a lot of them have talked about, the families have talked about how they were just kind of in a depressed state. They come home, they've lost a leg or they've lost eyesight or something. And when they get hooked up with their with their dog, that it changes them. And the families have talked about it's just a new person after they get their dog. And there's neat stories where they talk about, you know, that the dog and the vet were... Um, like dogs for our brave would have a dog that they were going to place with a vet. And they thought this would be the perfect match. And I remember the story talking about how, uh, that they met the vet and the dog met and they were getting along and everything was fine, but they just didn't really see a connection. And then another dog came walking in and the vet and the, and the dog kind of locked eyes and they just, something took off and there was this magic spark and they started hanging out with, and doing things together. And that ended up being the dog that the vet chose. And what they, they joke about at dogs for our brave is that the dog is the one that chooses the vet that they're going to work with. And it is so neat seeing some of the stuff they can do. So if the vet falls, um, the dog can go retrieve the cell phone and bring it to them. 
if the vet needs some water, the the dogs are trained to go open up a refrigerator, grab the water out of the out of the door, bring it to the vet. If they need help standing up, uh, the dog will brace, and the vet can use them to you know put their weight on and help stand up. It can help them get out of a chair because sometimes if they've lost uh, a leg or both legs, their center of balance is off, and they need a tug to get out of their chair, and the dogs can help with that. There's so many things that these dogs can do. They can turn on and off lights. It is amazing to go watch how they train these dogs. Um, so we've kind of partnered up with them, and we try to help them um, succeed in what they're doing. So, yeah, we, we, we think giving back is a very important part of what we do. It's a great story. Very good. Well, listen, I have appreciated your time so much. Uh, one last time, some of the new agents listening out there, uh, you got to work hard, go out and make it do, and do it. And as you said, you know, if you're a new agent and you're kind of lost, there's probably a team out there that could sure use your help and you can get a lot of good experience there as well. But Chad, thank you so much. Uh, Again, Chad Wilson, he's with Keller Williams Realty West in O'Fallon, Missouri. And uh, it's just been a pleasure talking to you. I hope that our paths will cross where we can visit in future. But thank you for sharing with Missouri Realtors on our podcast today. Anything else you want to add before we close? No, I just wanted to say, John, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, to all the people out there that are just getting started, just go out there and put the time in and it'll be a very rewarding career. Sounds great. Thank you, Chad. Have a great day. And thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate your time.